This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Well, who was expecting that? 5-1 victory up on side, And here, joining me today to talk about it, is Michael Stockley and our special guest, back yet again, Liam Bullock. How are you, mate? I'm good. It's becoming a bit of a regular theme now, isn't it, this? <laughs> yeah, well, well not the five-one, not the five-one. <laughs> well, that would be nice though if that becomes a regular theme, wouldn't it? Um, very nice, mate. I mean, obviously, we th- we thought we we're going to have to get you back on now, aren't we? I mean, if we beat Blackburn five-one, then you'll be joining us Saturday night, of course, won't you, for for Middlesbrough's preview? I know. I, I'm not used to being so positive. It's going to be um, going to be an interesting show, I think. Yeah, I know, because obviously we we try and sort of focus on the preview side of it, but I think we're going to have to sort of tear ourselves away, aren't we, from the Sunderland match when it comes to discussing it? I'd say there's stuff going off on the, off the pitch, so much to talk about on the pitch, before or after, all the lot. But yes, so we'll come back to you shortly, mate. But Michael Stockley, the usual, um, oh, should we say the usual uh, co-presenter, usual um, partner Ooh. in crime for myself? I'll take partner in crime co-presenter kind of degrades what I do on this podcast. Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to take co-presenter. So yeah, I'll, I'm having that. Taking my role this week, you've been you've been chief audio hunting. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Um, I mean, we should hopefully, as long as uh, time of recording, we should get some audio through shortly for from Mr. Kieran Maguire uh, with a bit of luck uh, as well, just to break down obviously today's finances. But um, yeah, it, it, it kind of echo what what kind of Liam said. To be honest, it's uh, a bit unusual. It got, got to the point where I was seeing goals go in one after another, and uh, you know, you do that kind of like laughing, hysterical, can't believe it type of laugh. Um, it was very much like that. Like I was like, "What am I watching? And who am I watching?" Because it ain't Stoke City. Yeah, do you know? What? I feel sorry for the people who maybe were working or were busy or didn't get any updates, and then come five o'clock, and just looked at the phone. <laughs> yeah. What, what what's happened there? You saw that um, Dwight Gale got two of them as well. I bet they 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 knew they were streaming or something was going on. <laughs> oh dear, but yeah, I mean. Obviously, we went, we went up there, didn't we? Um, no coins allowed. No, no charge. Was it no, no power banks? No um, cigarettes. Um, mm. What are they called? Oh, those smokes. The e-cigs. Yeah, the e-cigs. None of them allowed in. Um, and then, like you say, when Dwight Gale scores, uh, the Sunderland fans are chucking all sorts at him. So. Yeah, crutches and everything. Want it? So much stupid. Yeah, so apparently, like I said, the, the, the away fans are banned from taking these in this season because of increased number of incidents. And then, uh, yeah, they're launching whatever they can as soon as they get something they're happy with. So it was the only they, bottle you know, I saw on the pitch from the home team anyway. Oh! Perhaps they can use yeah. some of those confiscated coins to buy a new defence. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, got, they got Danny Bart. He's an absolute master in that defence, and he's great at conceding goals. Well, I mean, the, you talk about Danny Bart there. I mean, I did sort of a discussion on Twitter with somebody who was... Um, well, his first line of call was that Hoover uh, shouldn't have been on the pitch for that first goal. And then it was played back to him and showed that actually the ref drops the ball, then waves him back on because he's not actually interfering with a player on that side. 
and Sarkic takes a few seconds before playing the ball to him, so that's all good. Then Sarkic shouldn't have had the ball. Well, we then showed, I was then showing the clip and said, well, the ball is in the air at the point when the ref blows. And it left a Stoke player, Morgan Fox, on the line. And it was headed on by a Stoke player after the ref blew. And the rules state that if the ball was last touched inside the penalty area, it's a drop ball to the goalkeeper regardless. So that shut him up. Oh, he then come back and said, well, yeah, but we should have had a penalty really, shouldn't we? Because we can see that clip there that Danny, got, Danny Bart got punched in the face by your keeper. I'm like, I'm sure Danny Bart, even the honest guy, professional that he is, if Sarkic had come and levered him straight in the face and not levered Hoover in the back of the head, then Danny Bart wouldn't have just gone up and walked off like he did. He'd stayed down. They were, they were trying, they've been trying everything, these Sunderland fans, haven't they, to, to, to um, you know, excuse this 5-1 defeat? Yeah, I've, I, I, I'll tell you one thing, though. Sarkic, that, that attempt to clear the ball was an honest attempt to do so. Um, but... I'll give them some credit. They've probably got half a point to claim a penalty there um, because he does punch Danny Bart in the side of the head. I mean, like I said, he's got to go through Hoover to get there. To, to, to say that that was intentional, or I think you, know, you, you see some soft penalties given, I don't think that would have gone down for me as a soft penalty. Um, harsh, maybe, but it wouldn't have been a soft penalty. So I can kind of understand where they were coming from, but they didn't lose that game because Sarkic punched Danny Bart on the head. You know, they, they lost it because we were clinical and they weren't. That That's what it came down to. And I, I, I actually would say that you know, if they score, I still think we're going to win that game for how poor they were and how clinical we were, like I said. So um, I think they got a half a point for the penalty. Um, I think I'd be claiming it if I was if I was Stoke fan and it was the other way around. But they didn't lose because of that reason. Oh, by yourself, Liam, do you think? I mean... Like I say, I, I just think if there was any sort of contact with Bart, surely he wouldn't have got straight back up. I mean, I know he's, I know he's an Irish pro. He's not one to roll around or make, exaggerate anything. But if he'd been hit with that sort of force, surely he would have been, you know, like I say, he wouldn't have just got up and walked off like as if nothing had happened. I think, I think goalkeepers are a law unto themselves, aren't they, in the box? I think if you... <laughs> accidentally brush up against a goalkeeper when he's trying to catch the ball, they always give a foul to the goalkeeper. It's straight away. Like, whereas if, if two players went up for a header, they wouldn't. Uh, but a goalkeeper gets that special dispensation. And I think it works the other way as well. I think they're allowed to sort of clatter their way through people and push people for set pieces and sort of barge around a bit. Um, it's usually why they end up being so awkward when they go up for last minute attempted um, goals when it, when the, the team needs to score but um, I would have I don't think um, I, I didn't think anything of it at the time I didn't think it was a penalty um, I haven't really seen it back and thought to myself that it's a penalty Mike's right if it was us we'd be wanting it if it was us we probably would have wanted the ball back as well you know like how the Sunderland fans <laughs> did so you know we all see it different ways Um in the end, it was our day, though, wasn't it? I think is that the best we've played since we came down. It's certainly the best we've played under Alex Neal, I think. Yeah, it's, like I say, definitely the best under Neil. I mean, there was some good performances under Michael O'Neill, wasn't there? Um, it's certainly better than anything we produced under Rowett or Jones. <laughs> I think that's safe it's because of, yeah, the occasion of it, the fact that you, you know what it reminded me of. It reminded me of a game way back in two thousand six when Tony Pulis came back for his second spell at the club and we seemed to be going nowhere. Fans were getting etchy with him. Nothing to get us interested. I say. Yeah, we signed it's a load of Leeds. players and we went to Leeds and won 4-0 and it just yeah. kick-started that season. We finished it strongly and then we took it into the next season and, you know, knowing our luck, we'll probably go and lose on Friday but wouldn't it just be nice if this just gave us a lift, gave the manager a lift, gave the players a lift and we just we just took it with us and finished strongly this season. I mean, I've got some. I've got a stat later on. I mean, I'll, I'll just throw it in here now. We're, we're becoming even more Jekyll and Hyde than we've sort of ever been. It's like the last ten games, we failed to score in five of them. So five of them we've not scored a goal in. Yet the other five we scored at least three, including a four and now a five. So we in, in the last ten games, half of them we haven't scored at all, and the other are in the other five games we scored a total of eighteen times. It's it's like that Jekyll and Hyde gap just seems to be getting more and more. With I mean, he's always been there with us, hasn't he? But 
it's like if we get one, it's like brilliant lads. The two more are coming. <laughs> yeah, when we get those, um, when we get the first goal, we're a different team, aren't we? Um, and that's going to be important for the home game now because the home form's still a bit of a worry. Um, the away form seems fine. Obviously, we we're not consistent and we've known that for a long time but after the win at Swansea the win at the weekend um, it seems to be Alex Neal seems to be executing his game plan a little bit better especially away from home we've stumbled upon our best midfield and our best attacking free it looks like now everyone seems comfortable in their roles and the positions a um, couple of injuries unfortunately probably the only real negative to come out of the Sunderland game um, but wouldn't it just be nice if we've got like a, a steady team now and grind out just two or three wins on the trot or just four games without losing would, would be great, wouldn't it? Like I say, a couple more like that Swansea where we've conceded and come back, even if we just get a point rather than, you know, eke out a 2-1 from behind. Just I think that's now the key for Neil is sort of breaking that sort of barrier down, isn't it? We seem to be, we get the first goal and we're, confident and with free flowing and scoring goals I think if he can now look and get into a side that can come from behind to win or doesn't just go to pieces as soon as we concede and, and don't know what to do then that's really the key now if he wants to build a side that's looking for you know top six and, and beyond next season I don't know if you guys felt the same but even after Sunderland got there their um, consolation goal. I think it was three-one at the time, but I was thinking, ooh, thirty minutes left. <laughs> uh, you, you tweeted, didn't you, Mike? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think it was that. Oh no, don't you dare! Something like that because we, yeah. we, we've we've been there so much. We know what this club is like. I can't. Well, obviously, let's say Cardiff. I mean, we were three 0 up against Cardiff, and we practically should have been probably four three down if one of them goals hadn't been disallowed. So we know at this club doesn't make a difference how easy we look. Uh, one goal, the how we crumble. You spot on. I was really worried. Um, and then what was it? A short time after that, we're going to get the fourth, and it's all it's game over then even we can't throw that away I mean looking it's more individual performances I mean that first goal um, real nice free flowing move down the right hand side nice link up between sort of Hoover Smallbone and Brown and then obviously Josh Loren doing what he's sort of starting to do a bit more of now and get himself into the box uh, on the end of these chances well, I've noticed that, especially recently, and I think I may have brought this up a week or two ago when we were analysing some of the goals, but we've really started to, to crowd that box, haven't we? Like we're going yeah. forward and it's not just Tyrese in there. We're not just Jacob in there with two or three defenders, which obviously you're never going to score like that. We are literally putting four or five players in the box. And clearly, Leo Loren has learned or you know they've worked on the fact that he will just come into that box late um and then you know it's very very difficult to pick him up i mean frank lampard used to do that for a living that that was exactly what he used to do um and he's taking on that type of mantra now when you spot on as much as you know we, we talk about the the argument about their goal if forget that i mean again they seem to be forgetting the fact that they just didn't defend a really good move down the right hand side there was still a hell of a lot to do by us so you're right it was a, it was a really good move good play we're Crowd in the box. Um, it was the it was a brilliant team goal again, um, and I think a lot of the goals were like that. But uh, yeah, spot on. It was a, it was a very very well worked goal. Yeah, I had noticed that as well. What you said about players getting in the box, I didn't think to myself, uh, yeah, we've got a small bone in there. How many times are we getting Loren, you know, getting in the box now? And I think it's as well because players aren't even looking up. We see it with Ty quite a lot, don't we? He's just they're just pulling it back to that sort of penalty spot area, 15, you know, 15, 18 yards out. And mm-hmm. they're knowing that people are coming in and being in that area, they don't even have to look. And uh, when was the last time we had midfielders breaking into the box like that on a regular basis? I wonder if I mean Liam, what do you do you think that the inclusion of Ben Pearson is giving the other two more freedom to, to bomb on forward? It certainly seems to have helped. Uh, yeah, both of them, both Laurent and Smallbone, are having tremendous like second halves of the season. Um, I don't think Laurent did bad in the first half, but he got injured and it was a bit stop-start for him. Smallbone, we for a long time we we criticised him and we're all being proven wrong, and that's a great thing really because 
he didn't really show what he was about, and now we see what he's about. This is obviously his best position. He's he's playing between the forwards and the midfield. He's he's linking up play. He's picking passes, picking out spaces, and um, I think Ben Pearson's helping through that. And I really hope he can stay fit or get fit because. He makes a huge difference to our team now, doesn't he? And when he plays in that position, it allows Lauren to be our key man in the side. And I think if he plays well, we generally play well as well. So um, those are the three, aren't they? We're not chopping and changing anymore. If they're fit, they're playing. Yeah, I think we've got a nice, we've got a nice balance to the midfield, haven't we, Mike? Now we've like say, like Lynn saying now, there's the three midfielders. They've all got different roles, and they all sort of complement each other. I mean that. We are solid in defence and we are dangerous at attack. And, you know, me and you, we've been doing this podcast, you know, um, obviously last season and all of this. And Will Smallbone has caught a lot of stick from us in the first half of the season. Yep. And, you know, some would say rightly so, fairly so. He wasn't performing. I mean, you think it's his first full season in men's football. I mean, we've made that point. He's come back from 12 months out with a knee injury. And to throw back again to sort of like the mid-2000s, but like Liam did earlier on with that Leeds game, it reminds me of Rory Delap. When he came back from his broken leg, he was probably just throwing for about six, seven, eight months. So you're thinking, <laughs> why is he getting picked every week? What is he actually doing? But then as his fitness got better his performances got better, his ability and what he was able to do got better and increased. And his game then, he was, you know, he was in the team on merit for his performances and his legs and his, and I think Smallbone, he's, as he's getting fitter and as he's getting games under his belt, and not only is he getting more experience, but he's getting, he's physically now able to play the game he wants to play. And then when he gets the ball, because you, you all know yourselves from playing football and that, when you're tired physically, you're tired mentally, aren't you, as well? So when you get the ball and you've got to try and look at what pass to play, he's not he's not going to be able to do it because he can't, you know, he's not there to do it physically and mentally. Whereas now, I feel like because his body's not letting him down and he's in tip-top shape, he's, we're seeing the best of him. You know what? I think you've literally summarised that pretty much perfectly. Um, it, it's difficult to add an awful lot to what you've said, but you're right. Earlier in the season, he was getting a bit of stick. Um, but I think what you said at the very beginning of that around Pearson and being that kind of rock, I think that can't be underestimated. If you think about when we you know, we got promoted and then our, our eventual success in the Premier League, it was all centred around the likes of Glenn Whelan, you know, somebody who would literally... He'd take a booking every now and then. He would break up play, and then we'd have players around him who could build and and develop and let's face it, do the more attractive side of the game. I think that's exactly what we got with Ben Pearson. He will just happily do nothing other than kick lumps out of people, take the odd booking and and be that protection for the defence, which then gives defence confidence. If the defence have got confidence, gives the goalkeeper confidence and vice versa. So it's strange how one player can have such a difference to to a to actual a club but also the actual first 11 as well um so you are spot on will smallbone has been brilliant uh he's gone from somebody who may be like oh why why didn't he go back in january you know we could have got somebody else to now can we sign him permanently please like that didn't take long um and you know what i, I totally get it whether we can afford him is a different question for another day but um all credit to will all credit to josh um at the minute if we're playing a midfield three Baker's got no chance of getting back in. I don't think anybody on that bench has got a chance of getting back in. But I think that thing that's good as well because we know that if any of those three, particularly the two in front, drop their levels and aren't playing well for a few weeks, then Lewis Baker is is a, you know he's going to come in and he's probably going to make his. Um, you know he's going to be chomping at the bit and he's going to make an impact himself. And then whoever drops out is going to have to wait. You know, hopefully he's going to have to wait to come back in because of Baker's performances. So it's going to hope that's what you want into a healthy competition where you know they're all sort of pushing each other's levels up just to keep the shirt. It's good to have someone to come off the bench as well if the game needs to be changed or if we need to freshen it up. You know, to have somebody who we who can actually bring on who we know can score a goal from from outside the box or do something. Um, different for us so 
we, we've liked yeah. having somebody to bring on and change a game for us. So if, I'm sure he's not happy about it, but if that's his role for now, then that, that makes us makes us a stronger possibility of doing something when things aren't going our way. Yeah, because he's, he's a bit of all three, isn't he, Baker? He's, he's like, whereas Lorenz, Morbone and Pearson are very clear in their role and what type of midfielder they are, Baker, to me, appears to be like a mixture of the three of them. Probably less so Pearson, but that's the role we've been playing recently. But, you know, he has got the um, the eye of a, you know, the eye like Smallbone has and then the flair to, to look and pick passes. And also got the engine of Lorraine and can, you know, get also get forward and that. So, like I say, he's not clearly defined into one of them, which is good for him because he means he's got the opportunity to come in for any of them. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm sure he'll get a go at some points, probably through injury, you know, real like. <laughs> uh, one player I also wanted to mention, and I know we, yeah, we talk about him quite a lot, is Tyrese Campbell. I thought he had a fantastic game um, on the out on the wing. Thought he was dangerous in the first half. Thought he was he was looking looking good, looking you know he's pacey, beating the fullback regularly in the first half. You know, when the score was even when the score was nil nil, he was the one creating a lot of chances. Um, and then obviously as we scored the game opened up he played into his hands even more I thought he was dangerous I'd say right, right the way through the match Typical Tyrese though I think he's been doing that for good chunks of the season and, and I know we've spoken about him many a times here Dan we, we really have we, we know how good Tyrese can be I think the problem up to now has been largely he I think he's better I don't know about you guys but I think he's better um, on the left hand side of the of kind of the front three I know he can play across all of them but I mean he showed with that goal you know he, he had a he had a shot with his left foot got blocked and without even thinking he hits it with his right foot which is supposedly I think his weaker foot isn't it um and he just bends it into the bottom corner like it, it, on his day he is unplayable um, some people that would argue that he's not on his day enough, but he's still, again, it's very easy to forget he's still in that season where he's coming back off a long-term injury. It is going to take time for him to find his feet, but I don't know about you, Liam, but I, I think he's, um, I, I still think we haven't even seen half of Tyrese this year. I think even on a bad day, he's usually a threat, isn't he? I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll worry you of pace. He's got some skill. He's definitely got an eye for goal. And when he does play in those wide positions, he's got the ability to pick out a man with a pass or a cross. And we're far weaker when we don't play him. And I think Neil knows that. He he very rarely drops him. Maybe if he's having a bit of dip in confidence or form, he'll take him out for a game. But as soon as he can get him back in, I think he he does do. And um, yeah, he's getting better. I don't know how old he is, but he's he's, he's still pretty young as well. So he's still improving his game. He's 23. So he's still improving as well. You know, we might, might, hopefully we'll see the best of him at Stoke, but that might not be for another three or four years yet. Who knows? Yeah, because Pete Smith in the Sentinel actually did an article on Ty last week, didn't he? And he said like, he's played more full games, 11 in this season. Um, and obviously, after the Brian game in the cup, he'd been on the pitch for 1,884 minutes, which is 52 more than 2019-20, uh, which was his previous most. And obviously, this, you know, he played the full game on Saturday, well, you know, the full game on sat- last Saturday, and he's got 11 more to go yet. Um, seven goals, three assists. But the key for me is that Alex Neal. I mean, he says here, like, to quote, uh, obviously, Alex Neal on this, he says, one of the biggest challenges with Ty is finding his best position, if I'm honest. Uh, he says, we've played two up front a lot of season. I'm not going to lie. Three, five, two has never been my preferred shape or a shape I enjoy. It restricts you um, and transitional-wise, it's a problem because your win-backs end up deep on the pitch. Basically, he wants to get people forward. Um, he said, I like guys who can take the ball and beat players, whether it's been tricky or blistering pace, just playing some way. Ty's got all that. I think of late, look at the second goal of his field. He's the one that gets the byline and pulls it back for Jacob against Swansea. He gets the byline, pulls it back for Josh Laurent to get his goal. He's contributing games. The problem is when you're tagged as a striker, everyone just looks at how many goals you score. But it's not about that. It's about creating and scoring goals as a collective. I don't care who gets them. So, I mean, the manager, I think, whenever I hear him speak about him, Neil, he always... He always bigs him up, doesn't he? And when he ever talks about his attackers, he seems to be the first one he mentions or the one that he sort of isn't is least concerned about 
sort of improving. He's like, well, I know that he's a good player. I know he, he you know, I know what I'm going to get from him. Um, but like I say, on, against Sunderland, I just thought he was fantastic. I thought he had the beating of the fullback from the first minute. He knew that. The fullback knew full well that he was nothing. <laughs> he was, you know, he was up for a hard afternoon. Um, and I think, and that always for me, if he can beat a man early on, I think he just. He just propels his confidence up there, don't he? And he plays with his head up and, and his tail, and, and then you know, and off he goes. Um, but I mean, there's Brighton. What's it? Damp is um, Lewis Dunk, what an England international centre half, and he left him for dead in the first couple of minutes, didn't he? he squared him up, knocked him past him, and he was like, he gave Dunk a start, and he was he was gone, and then obviously the keeper pulled off the save, didn't he? But I mean, he could have given us the lead there in the first two or three minutes. I think it'll take a lot of pressure off him as well if Dwight Gale starts to knock in a few goals. Um, I don't want to take full credit for Dwight Gale's heroics, but I did say on this podcast that <laughs> if there that. was ever a game where he was going to put in a performance <laughs> of the season, it would be Sunderland away. So, um, you know, you, you're welcome for that assist, Dwight. If I remember well, rightly, though, I think I was the only one who actually predicted a Stoke win, actually. I don't even think I put Gale in my team, so I'm already <laughs> backtracking on my own um, praise there. Yeah, you went Nathan Lowe, didn't you? I remember this. <laughs> oh, we would have won 6-1 if Lowe had played. Yeah, obviously, he obviously was chomping at the bit. You were right that he wanted to get, because he had the up, 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 down, down, down celebration already and raring to go, didn't he? Because I think it was it Loren who run across him. He knew, he knew what the score was, so they'd obviously discussed it. <laughs> um, but he was... It was just funny, like I say, how he'd gone there. And he, he, must have, he must have definitely thought, yeah, I am scoring this afternoon because I'm desperate to do this in front of these lot. <laughs> he really got them wound up, didn't he? Hopefully it'll... I know we said this after that one went off his backside, but, you know, hopefully this will just... These were proper goals, at least this time. So maybe it'll just give him that little bit of impetus and a little bit of um, motivation, a little bit of confidence to... To grab, you know, three or four at least before the season's out. Hopefully, like I say, eleven games to go. He's still time to get himself up, you know, for another three, four, five goals there, isn't there? Uh, is there anything else you want to mention? I mean, I know we, we, I think we've, we've um, quite a while. I guess probably the injuries potentially. I mean, mm. obviously Ben Pearson. I don't know. It sounds like it might have been crammed. But I'll be honest with you, I haven't looked at the news, but uh, Sarkic looks like he could be out for a few weeks by the sounds of it as well. So we've all of a sudden got Jack Bonham that's going to be coming back in, which, you know, in fairness to Jack, against Bur- uh, Brighton, is said Birmingham then, uh, uh, kind of against Brighton, he was pretty good. I think we said this, you know, it, it, who knows, maybe having Sarkic to, to ha- kind of be very easily claiming that number one spot, maybe this will bring a bit more of a, a better Jack Bonham out of the woodworks. You never know. Yeah, maybe it's just like no pressure, no pressure on him. Yeah, he's a, good, he's a good second choice goalkeeper. That's I don't think anybody really had it in for him because he was second choice. It's just he was never the the right man to be the number one for the season. So, yeah, if he comes in, plays a few games, um, plays like he did against Brighton, um, fingers crossed he does okay. And Sarkic hopefully comes back before the season's over. And, uh, you know, he's someone that we might be looking at in the summer. We'll certainly be looking for a new goalkeeper. So Bonham's, at got, least some, Bonham's got some time to try and stake his claim for be here next season um, whether it's number one number two number three who knows moving into the man of the match um, standards so who was your man of the match Start I mean oh go on Tom, go with Liam first that's fine I, I, I'm uh, I'm just an assistant uh, these days so go on <laughs> I'd be surprised if your choice is different than mine it's for me it was Will Smallbone with his assists and his link up play I know he didn't get the goals himself, but he really made everything happen for us. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's got to be small bone, hasn't it? I think it would be very, very difficult to choose someone else. I know there's a few. Ty probably could could claim it. Uh, Lorraine could claim I mean, there's, there's a number. But yeah, small bone gets it. You, I mean, how can you turn down three assists and say he's not the man of the match? Although whatever team was released in the week, I can't remember what Twitter page it was, he didn't make it into the team of the week. So Bryce knows what the other, other midfielders did in this division to, to keep him out. But Fourth in this poll was Josh Lorraine with 4% scored. Dwight Gale got a couple of goals. He's third with 9%. 
Tyrus Campbell got a couple of goals. He's second with 12%. <laughs> but with 69% of the 269 votes was Will Smallbone, who didn't score. So it's nice to see people looking past, because how often do you see as well, like, he'll we'll win a game 1-0, and a guy will come on, he'll do nothing all day, but he'll he'll just score, you know, manage to score the only goal of the game, and it'll be... Yeah, the sponsor's man of the match is Bodwell, and you're like, really? No, I know he scored, but... He's been dreadful for the other 89 minutes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, nice to see, like I say, a bit of recognition for for the assist makers in Will Smallbone. And talking of a player of the season, he's actually catching Ben Wilmot quite rapidly. So Ben Wilmot had a massive lead, didn't he? He's moved on to 504 points, and Will Smallbone now is on 452. So if Ben's going to be out for a few weeks with an injury, uh, Will Smallbone has got the opportunity there to overtake him and be uh, number one in our player of the season standings. Uh, behind them, there's a big gap there to Josh Loren in third on 319, uh, Gale 4318, Jagielka 5th 312. Mm. Does that seem fair? Liam, would you say that's fair to first five? It's certainly become a lot more. It's we've had. It's been a season of two halves, hasn't it? Um, it's players that have come in and left. Um, new players have arrived. So you're looking at the ones who've been here consistently throughout the season, and I, I think um, Wilmot for me has been our most consistent player all season. Um, hopefully, he's not injured for long. Um, I'd be very happy for to see him get it. But then at the same time, I'd be very happy for Will Smallburn to finish the season strongly and do um, enough to tip him over the edge and get the award. What about yourself, Mark? You, you just fancy getting on the pitch and presenting with at this stage? Um, I'd say Will Smallbone. I think they've been asked to see uh, who's got more hair, me or him. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I'd, yeah, I'd definitely say I definitely say Will. Um, but you know, we we need to keep Ben sweet as well. So I tell you what, let's let's hope they're on joint player of the seasons. Uh, we'll try and sneak it in that we can get two for the price of one. Then, so let's go with that. I think that's what they call a bold draw. Oh God's sake! Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that wraps up Sundown. We've had enough talking about this 5-1 win. Let's, so let's move into the news section. So, first of all, I'm going to get you through the uh, the other Stoke City sides who've been in action over this past week. So, the under-18s, they played Sunderland in the uh, in the league on Saturday at 1 o'clock. And they had a 1-0 home defeat. So, second against fourth. Um, unfortunately, yeah, the, the under-18s couldn't get pick up anything from that match. Uh, but we do remain fourth in the league. And this week, we have a week off. So, yeah, we've got Manchester United away as the next fixture, but that's not until the 18th of March. So no game this week for the under-18s. Uh, the under-21s, now they also went to, they also played Sunderland. Um, that was on Monday night. Uh, they lost 4-1. So, yeah, they were 4-0 down, uh, including the David Akagbu own goal after 79 minutes. Um, but yeah, Holland Wilkinson got a consolation for Stoke deep into injury time. Um, so yes, yeah, so we're still struggling down the bottom end of that division. Their next game is on Monday at the Bet365 Stadium against Fulham, which is a Premier League Cup encounter. So I think that's the quarter-final stage, if I remember rightly. Yeah, I know we beat Wolves away, didn't we, in the last round in February. So yeah, so we're going to be playing Fulham on Saturday, 1pm kickoff at the Bet365 Stadium. So, yes, good luck to the uh, the under-21s in that fixture. And then the women. So, the women play Loughborough Lightning at home on Sunday and run out 3-0 winners. So, yeah, well done to them. So, it was Royston Caval, as always. She's uh, quite a re- seems to be quite a regular scorer for the women's side. She uh, gives the lead. And then it was Miss Kiel and Gibson scored late on just to uh, see all the points for Stoke. So, yeah, they've had a bit of a pick-up in form because they, they went a bit of a while, went a while without uh, picking up anything in the league. But they've come back well and they are now back into the top half as well. So, they're in sixth place in the division with 20 points from 16 matches. So, they'll be hoping themselves for a uh, strong finish to the season. So, yeah, well done to the women. 
Uh, this week, oh yeah, they're at home again this week as well. They play Burnley, 2pm kickoff as always on Sunday, Emory Stadium in Norton, and yeah, they're playing Burnley. So, uh, good luck to them. Now, news. Now, the news is going to be dominated this week by the release of the accounts. And what a monumental thing we've been doing with our finances that we've managed to get a £102 million profit. <laughs> what a Easy. club. What a club we are. <laughs> it's the selling of all those uh, 25 £30 million pound players, mate. <laughs> so, Yes. I mean, we we can well look at the finances and bits and bobs that we've picked up. Um, but there is one man, isn't there, Michael, who he can do better than we can give it justice. Yes, a certain Mr. Kieran Maguire, I think anyone who's listened to this pod for more than five minutes uh, will know exactly who that is. Uh, Mr. FFP expert, um, but you're right, he's uh, very, very kindly, last minute um, after it was released, sent us some audio through. Uh, So let's have a quick listen to what he had to say as well, Dan. I think the main takeaways from the Stoke accounts is, first of all, without Bet365, the club would be in fairly desperate straits. But the sponsorship, the writing off of £120 million worth of debt and the the general love and affection which comes from the Coates family to Stoke City uh, has allowed the club to be able to to hold its head above the water in the championship um, and in an ideal world it will be able to uh, move forwards uh, once the, the legacy of perhaps some recruitment errors and overspending in previous years comes comes to an end. Um, the, the key numbers, for, for, from my point of view, is that the, the impact of the loss of parachute payments is uh, in, increasingly significant. Uh, but again, the stoke are, are, are buoyed to a certain extent due to the sponsorship deal that they have with the club owners. And, and, and that's allowed them to, to generate perhaps more money than you'd anticipate for a, for a club of, of similar size in, in the championship. Wages are a problem. Spending £120 in wages for every £100 that comes through the door um, isn't sustainable in, in any other industry apart from football. Um, but if there are changes to the financial fair play rules, which, which are give some form of wage cap in a year or two, then I think that will be more challenging. But until then, uh, we're in a position to deal with it. Um, if we look at the the club's ability to spend in the transfer market, it, it has had some reasonable profits from player sales in recent years. Um, yeah, they made £10 million in 22. They should be able to make more than that in, in 22, 23, because the sale of Suter and so on. Um, lots of people are talking about the, the, the intercompany loan. I'll be honest, in, in my view, that doesn't count towards financial fair play. So it's, it's a paper profit. It's, it's there to, to wind up people from other clubs uh, on Twitter when, when they see Stoke posting this, this profit. But it, it's, 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 not a, it's not what you call a genuine profit because it's, it's from a related party. And in addition to that, uh, it's highly unlikely that it would qualify under existing financial fair play rules. So, in summary, uh, the money coming in is down, the money going out is decreasing. Um, I'd expect it to decrease significantly uh, both this season and next season as, as, the, as the club resets. Is there money available to spend in the summer? Yes, there is. Uh, but I think Stoke and other clubs in the Championship have, have come to terms with the fact that they are fishing in a completely different pool to where the club was, even in the first season when it was relegated from the Premier League and it spent, I think, somewhere in the region of £67 million. Um, I'd be surprised if it spends much more than uh, 10 to 20% of that um, in, in the coming season. Um, what are your thoughts then? What are your thoughts, Liam, on the on the accounts and how they've come out? Well, when I saw the headline, I thought, oh, 102 million, that might be enough to prize Smallbone away from Southampton, maybe. Um, we'll, we'll have to check in on that in the summer. Um, otherwise, I mean, I don't know a lot about financial stuff. I'm a, I'm a geologist, not an accountant. But obviously someone at Bet365 is a shrewd financier. And like you said, we've benefited from that, whereas other clubs haven't been so fortunate. You know, the owner's wealth and commitment to steer us through it. 
Uh, now it's time for them to get the footballing decisions right alongside the economic decisions. You know, we're coming to the end of a few years of penny squeezing now. Obviously, that large debt was forgiven by the Coates family last year. All I can see from it is that things are improving and we know that there is at least some plans in place to open up the wallet this summer. Hopefully that'll be sensibly and not flippantly this time. Yeah, we could do with, um, like I say, I think if you get the decisions on the football field, right, or at least the boardroom decisions that affect the football field, and they might not have to write so much debts off. And that's probably the plan they could go with coming forward, can they? <laughs> I saw some comments to say that, oh, well, they shouldn't have got us in this problem in the first place. And I think that's... Look, everyone's entitled to their opinions. Of course they are. And I'm not saying that they're wrong. All I'm saying is, let's just think about the fact that, rightly or wrongly, they have backed managers. Now, you would say that it's always going to be right at the back of a manager. Yes, you could say that they need to install a manager who is great and without a crystal ball, they're doing what they feel is right at the time. I still do feel we probably need a different structure. So I back that in terms of different structures would then lead to better decisions in theory. Um, but you can't fault them for backing managers. They might have made the wrong decision on managers, but they've always backed them. So I think it's a bit harsh to say that they need to just wave the magic wand and get every every decision right. So we need to put a bit of context behind that for me. Yeah, because it's like you say, the, they've always backed him and then now they're getting slagged off for backing Gary Rowitz to the extent they did. And hindsight's a wonderful thing, but nobody at that point was complaining, were they? That... Yeah, you know, when the um, when we when the team was announced for that Leeds game, and the whole the whole country thought we were going to win the championship, nobody was nobody was that. Actually, do you think we may have pushed it a bit too far? What if it goes wrong? Mm-hmm. Did you hear anybody saying that at the time? Nobody was saying that. You've got you've got to back a manager. You've got to trust the guy you've got in charge is going to do a good job. Again, I mean, I'm sure you know. We I love Tony Pulis, and yes, he made a lot of great signings, but he made a lot of dud signings as well. No manager is immune. Alex Ferguson made a lot of crap signings as well. Like you've you've just got to back your manager and hope it's right. Now, like I said. Different structure, I think, is probably needed. Um, whether we ever see that different structure is another thing. So, yeah, look, for me, we're going to have money to spend next year. Um, interesting to see how much. I wouldn't be surprised if we spend somewhere around 10 million quid. I think we need it. I think we've got, was it six contracted players? I can't remember if it was yourself, Liam, who said that maybe last week or Dan, but I think we've got six contracted players for next year. Um, so it's going to be at least 10 players that we need to get through this door. Yeah, I think, like I say, we've got a nice five-side team with one sub at the minute, haven't we? For the, yeah. first, for the first pre-season friendly. A bit power league. <laughs> <laughs> uh, build a little stadium up there. <laughs> if anything, it just, like I say, hopefully we'll give the, gives the opportunity for the rest of this season, gives the opportunity for the youth to have um, a bit of an input into the first team. And then obviously that'll benefit them going forward. But like I say, in the long run, we, we do need to be spending some money there with, over the summer. Just make sure we spend it on the right players, players who, if we went, to, to be fair, if we went out and got Pearson and Smallbone with the majority of out of that 10 million, I think I'd be happy with that. If we paid 3 million a piece for them too, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that was bad business at all. I don't know about you two. No, they'd be a high priority, uh, assuming that they've, carry on their good form and we carry on with a bit of good form towards the end of the season um, I would like to see them both stay and sign here permanently for sure yeah it's a no brainer for me as well Dan I think we we should keep them I think the the issue I've probably got with some let's just take, take Smallbone for example I think the problem we've got with someone like him is obviously if Southampton you made this uh, comment actually the other day if Southampton get relegated I, I don't know I can't see him I can't see him coming back uh, I think they would try and charge us too much money for him. Um, again, it, it, will he see Southampton as a better bet for getting promoted? I mean, everyone saw us as a better bet for getting promoted when we came down. So I think that's the only worry for me. I think Ben Pearson, yeah, he, he likes to manage it. I think Ben would would sign. Uh, Twanzibi, I, I, I don't know... 
he's out of contract. He, I mean, I know he's at Man United, but he's not going to be on stupid money. Um, I think our average wage is around 17 grand a week. So will he come down to that? Will it be a case of having to give him a big chunk of a signing on bonus to to get his wages down? I'm sure we'll be creative. but um, the wheels. Breeze the wheels, a bit like we did with Kenwin Jones and stuff back in the day. I think we gave him like a million or two signing on. So, yeah, same with Crouchy and stuff, wasn't it? So, yeah, well, I'm sure we'll do some inventive accounting if we need to. Right, let's get into the weekend's match, which is Friday night team televised encounter with Blackburn. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. So, starting off with the stats as per usual, we have played Blackburn 100 times in our history. 39 victories, 17 draws and 44 defeats. At home, we've played them on 50 occasions with 28 wins, 8 draws and 14 defeats. However... That record isn't doesn't look as good when you look at the short-term history. We have lost three of the last four games at the Bet365, but they've all been decided by one goal. The last 10 meetings between the sides have only had one home win, which was a 1-0 Stoke win in December 2020. So that was behind closed doors. The last win in front of home fans was in November 2011 when Stoke won 3-1 at the then Britannia Stadium. Um, Stoke's home form puts them 20th in the division with 19 points from 17 games whilst Blackburn's away form has them 11th with 21 points from 18 games so they very much prefer to play at home than away because obviously you know, they're, they're well embedded in the top six army um, so you know flitting between three, third and fourth uh, them and Middlesbrough um, recent form so the banging form, the eight unbeaten, in the last five matches, they're third in the league with 13 points, scored seven, conceded two. So they're not scoring many, but they're eking out wins there, aren't they? Four wins and a draw. Now, Stoke, in the last five matches, are, have a guess where Stoke are in the form table over the last five games. You know what? I reckon we're going to be relatively high up, so I'm going to go for sixth. Sixth? Liam? Mm, I'm going to go, yeah, the reason you're asking is obviously because it's not what we would expect it to be, I imagine. So let's go, yeah, fifth. Yeah, fifth we are. Oh, good show. So, <laughs> fifth with nine, nine points. We've scored 11 and conceded four. So, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're, actually, yeah, we're actually in a decent run of form, aren't we? We've not, it's sort of sneaked up on us a bit. Um like I say, that's all the league games as well. So we've had a couple of cup wins in recently as well. Um, but yeah, like I say I mentioned earlier on our last ten matches, we failed to score in five of them, and in the other five, we've scored at least three in in every game and got a total of eighteen goals, um, which is completely mental when you think of it. <laughs> um, Brown now, Jacob Brown has scored has uh, played Blackburn on eight occasions. He's got five wins, uh, picked up sixteen points, and scored twice. Now, Jack Bonham is, looks like he's going to be returning in goal, and that's not too bad because he's played Blackburn twice in his career. He won both times, and he's yet to concede a goal. So two clean sheets in two games. Uh, and Lewis Baker also has a 100% record against Blackburn with three wins from three games and has netted a goal himself as well. Um, so if we win this game, this is going to surprise you. If we win this game, we will have had more points at this stage of the season than in six of the last seven seasons. I thought we were like six or seven points uh, behind a few weeks ago, Dan. 
Uh, yeah, well, I think obviously we've had this good run of form, and uh, yeah, we've we're eating up the points. Uh, we must, we must usually have a bad run about this time, so <laughs> we've managed to catch up. Um, but yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, let's say we've got if we walk to forty six. Uh, the most we've had was 2020, 2020 and 2021, we had 48 points uh, with 10 games remaining. And obviously, like I say, any other season, we've we've not had more than the 46 that we'll have if we win on Saturday. Or oh, Friday even, sorry. We'll be off on Friday and Saturday. I was going to say, you're you're working Friday, so uh, if you want to go yeah. Saturday, mate, you, you, you'll be able to sit where you want. Currently working on Friday. We're working on that one. <laughs> sort it out. We've got a certain person to meet, so sort it out. <laughs> we have indeed. Um, moving on to the referee. So it's Matthew Donahue. Um, so he has refed Stoke on four occasions this season, all the way. He refed the win at Preston, the draw at QPR, and the defeats at Blackpool and Huddersfield. So he did award us a penalty at Huddersfield, though, even though we didn't score it, but that's not his fault. He, he did his job, he gave it to us. Um, and he's ref Blackburn twice this season, a 1-0 away win at Blackpool back in August and a 0-0 draw at home to Wigan. Um, so, yeah, so not bad a win and a draw for them in two games. Uh, he's ref Stoke 10 times in his career. He's given us one red card, give one red card to the opposition. Uh, we've got three wins, two draws and five defeats. He's given us 14 yellows and one red. He's ref Blackburn on 13 occasions. They've got six wins, five draws, just the three defeats. Uh, but he has given them 30 yellows and a red. So quite a lot more than uh, the cards he's dished out to Stoke. So we shall see how that plays out. Hopefully he's a, a non-entity when it comes to the game. Um, so yeah, I mean, how would you see this one going, Mark? What what any big contributing factors you can think to mm. what the result? You know what? I did a a little video for a Blackburn podcast earlier on, um, and I'm going to go with the same score line that I went for for this one. Well, for the Sunderland one, I was technically right on the result, but certainly not the score line. So I'm going to go for a Stoke two-one win. I don't have a clue why. I aren't basing that on um, any fantastic intellect or you know statistics or anything like that. I mean, Black Blackburn they do concede goals. They do concede goals. Like you know, I think they've conceded like 38. They score 39, and they they are on like a what is it four game winning streak or something like that. So. You know, they aren't going to be an easy team, but we always do really well against teams near the top. Uh, we're, we're really good at that. And I mean, Sunderland, you won't really claim that they're, they're great at near the top. But uh, I think Blackburn, they're a good side. They are, they're very much you know, beatable. I said to you previously, Dan, that they either typically win or they lose. They don't actually draw many games. Uh, I think when you look across them in the entire season, uh, they've drawn four matches, which is the fewest of any other team in that in the, in the league. So um, we're either going to win or lose. So I'm going to go for a win. Very nice, very nice. Nice and positive. I mean, it's, it's funny because you say like the end, the, the, the draws and that. Um, they actually do three in a row, four in a row, sorry, in the championship, didn't they? Around the end of January and then like, into the mid- beginning and middle of March. They drew with Bristol City 1 1, uh, drew with Wigan 0 0, Watford 1 1, and West Brom 1 1. Uh, so they went from like, not having a draw at all in the first six months of the season to drawing four games in a row. <laughs> well, that's it. Um, I mean, no, no other teams actually. You know, lost more games. I mean, you, you look at, like, for example, like 14th place. I'm looking at the table here, right? So Hull have lost 14 uh, in 14th place. Now, the rest of them below 14th have all lost more games. Um, but Blackburn are sitting in fourth, having lost 13 games. This is what I mean. Like, they, they either win or they lose. So I think if we score first, that will change everything. We know what it's like. If we go 1-0 down, they will just sit in and probably defend for their lives. I, yeah, I agree with that. And I think, I think Liam, like bringing into this, I mean, they're a very different side to when Tony Mowbray was there. Really. They were very attacking in that, and they had a lot of movement, a lot of runners and fluidity in midfield, and they'd score a lot of goals, concede a lot. I mean... This season, we've scored more goals than them in the league, even though they're third and we're you know, rooted deep in the bottom half. Uh, we've got a better goal difference than them now after that after the win last week. So 
under under John Dahl Thomason, they seem to be a lot more sort of structured and like it's like Marx was saying there, they sort of eke out games, don't they, rather than going gung ho. Yeah, I think it'll be. Uh, first of all, I hate it when we're on Sky, but we've got to mm-hmm. put up with that for a week or two now. Um, yeah, they're in good form. Um, it'll be a similarly difficult task as it was when we played Millwall a few weeks ago, I think. Uh, and you know, our home form still remains a bit of an issue, as does our ability to win a couple or three in a row. Um, but I think the Brighton game showed that there is a slight uptick in our performance, and then we followed that up with the Sunderland game. So. Just please don't give away another sloppy goal in the first 15 minutes, at the very least. I don't think there's going to be many changes. Obviously, there might be a couple of enforced changes, but that might be quite straightforward. Um, It's going to be a different challenge to the Sunderland game. Blackburn are banging form, flying high in the league, progressing in the cup. But, you know, we have to be positive, don't we, after that away performance? all all kind of directions will tell us that, oh, you know, this is Stoke, they're going to lose. But after what we've seen, let's be positive. And I'm going to go with a 3-1 win for Stoke. Gale's going to get another goal, I reckon. Uh, Campbell might hit a bit of form. And then Jagielka? Jagielka. Nice, very nice. I like it. I'm going with a 2-0 victory myself. Got Ooh. Gale and Campbell scoring. Just just touching back on Blackburn, it's, it, recently, obviously, they've, they're banging form of us, as we've said. And they've been doing it as well without sort of Bradley Dack, who's not been playing, and um, Ben Brayton's been injured as well. Brayton Diaz came off the bench for the last few minutes against Sheffield United in the last match. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if, like I say, if he's on the bench or if he might, you know, they start with him on Friday. Uh, but yeah, they've been doing well without both of them in recent weeks. So yeah, I mean, my team, it looks like it's going to be Bonham in goal, doesn't it? Uh, which, if nothing else, maybe free the loan spot up. Every cloud has a silver wow. lining and all that. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. So I've got Sterling and Hoover. With that in mind, I think Sterling and Hoover will be my fullbacks. Um, obviously, I'd go with I think it's a weird one because I think there's three of them. It's Jagielka, Wilmot and Twanzibi. Now, Twanzibi's, can he get in as a loanee? If if uh, the keeper's not going to be there, then I think Twanzibi comes in for me. And obviously, Wilmot would be my preferred partner, but if it is, then he's not going to be fit. If it is, he's going to be missing for a few weeks, then Jagielka um, can partner Axel there. Uh, it's going to be, and then obviously the midfield's not going to change. Uh, Pearson, Lorenz, Mulburn, and either the attack, Brown, Gale, Campbell. You've pretty much taken like my team out there. I mean, yeah, as you said, striker midfield, you can't change any of that. Um, obviously, goalkeeper, you can't change. I've gone for the same thing. It was Chucky Alka and Axel um, at the back. And I was really iffing and ahhing about whether it's going to be Fox or Timon at, at the left-hand side. Um, I still want to have Timon in there. I know he's not strictly a full-back. He's better at wing-back. But uh, Timon, I think, is probably going to have enough fitness. So get him in ahead of Fox. Very harsh on Fox for this year. Um, but, yeah, Sterling goes, uh, goes right back for me. So what about Hoover? No, no. Not having him. Not on the left, no. He was, um, we saw him against Brighton, and yes, it was Brighton, but he was an absolute disaster at left back, so no way. I'd rather have a natural left back there than trying to shoehorn somebody in for the sake of it. Okay, so if you're playing, um, if you're not playing Hoover in your starting lineup, obviously you've got Sterling, you've got uh, Axel, you've got Pierce, you've got Smallbones. There's four loanies. So if you're on the bench, does Hoover miss out completely to make way for Selena's creativity on the bench? Um, I think he's kind of got to just because we haven't got many attacking forces on there. I mean, Selena's got a point to prove as well. I know he's had a bit of illness, but he's kind of done nothing since that first game, first appearance. So I think, yeah, let's get Selena on there. See if we can get him, you know, 15, 20 minutes out of him if we, if we need him. Well, uh, and yourself, Liam, what team are you going with? Um, more similar to yours, I think, Dan. I'm keeping the, the fullbacks the same. I'm, I'm keeping Hoover in and Sterling at left back. If Wilmot's fit, Wilmot plays. Uh, I'd keep him alongside Jagielka as well. Uh, I don't want to change much from the weekend. 
But if um, Wilmot's not fit, Twan Zibi comes in alongside Jagielka. Um, and then the same midfield and the same attack. Um, I take it Bonham's taking the gloves in goal for you if Sarkic isn't fit. Well, if Sarkic not isn't fit, yeah. To, not giving him to Blondie or... <laughs> no. Well, um, and i say we've given our predictions there. We've all gone for Stoke wins. Let's have a listen to what Graham McGarry has to say. And has he completing the full house for us? Hello there, you Potters predictors. This is Graham McGarry once again, getting ready for the next prediction. Well, you must be feeling top of the world after last weekend. What a fantastic result and what a day it was for Alex Dale and those travelling Stoke City fans who were up at the Stadium of Light. Well, you've got a Friday night fixture, a bit of a rare one, this one coming up against Blackburn Rovers. Another side that had an excellent result at the weekend and also moved into the uh, quarterfinals of the FA Cup a week or so ago. It's going to be a good test for Alex Neal's side to see how much they have improved and how much they can take out of that game against Sunderland in front of the home crowd at the Bet365. Friday night football. Well, you have to win on Friday because you can enjoy a full weekend. So let's go for it. Let's make sure that Stoke have two great back-to-back results. They've already got one, winning 5-1 at Sunderland. There won't be that many goals, surely, at the Bet365. But there could be a few... I'm going Stoke City 2, Blackburn Rovers 1. Oh, it's back to them old days, is it, Mark? You just copying off Graham. <laughs> uh, Graham copying off me. He's thought, God, he got it right this week. I best, uh, I best copy him. So, uh, yeah, you're welcome. Well, in the prediction table, that means you can't go top either, can you? Because Graham will still be a point in front of you regardless. That's yeah, maybe I should go for a loss. Nine. You're on 39 now, and me and Graham are both on 40. So just a one point in it. Very tight. Opposition fans lagging behind at 23, which is what we like to see because they never predict a state win, do they? If Graham, if Graham loses this, you know, well, we've got the forfeit that you know we have to go to Vale or something like that, right? But yeah. um, what does what does Graham get? Because Graham on Radio Stoke obviously covers crew. So can we just speak to Radio Stoke and see if I don't know send Angela Smith to go and uh, watch crew, and uh, Graham can go watch the Vale. I thought you I thought you were going to say like his forfeit was they had to spend time with Angela Smith. Then I was like, that's not very nice, Mark. So she's a very good friend of yours. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. You know where he is, Angela. She's come for him. <laughs> Well, there's a reason I'm not going to the next... uh... (laughs) on this podcast, you know, friend of us. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just going to ignore their messages for now, yeah. (laughs) Um, So, on that note, obviously, predictions tables, other updates. We have Super 6. Now, you forgot to do your Super 6 this midweek, haven't you? Yes, I just logged in, just thought I'd best get my teams in, and yeah... I was way out. I've, I've just only because I've literally not done a thing. Gutted. Uh, it's all right, because so did I. Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> last week it started on Wednesday, so why is it this week or Tuesday? Why is there no consistency to this game? What's going on? Where's the notifications from the app? At least give us something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Want people to play? You've got to remind. We've got busy lives. Do you get caught up by Super Six Liam? Is it something you do? Um, the thing is that, yeah, I, I have to go into a VPN and stuff when I do it over here, so sometimes <laughs> I just can't be bothered. Especially when you don't know when the games are kicking off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I usually miss the first one. <laughs> um, well, I've, I've got 233 points and still in 75th. Mark, you still at 276 and 58. Uh, Luke Jones leads the way on 369. Um, ben Dawson is on 3-6-3 in second and Luke Higgins is third with 3-6-2 now Gaffer is something that even if we miss we should pick at least a few points up um, I had I got 88 points this week which puts me in 19th place overall for the season um, with 1,894 Mike you picked up 67 points and have moved up to 29th with 1,781 uh, but still leading the way is Jack Curran with 2865. Pookie Blinders with 2708 and Stoke Gaffer with 2682. So well done to uh, the three mainstays there at the top of the Gaffer League. I'd like to point out as well that 28th is my highest all season. Um, and I think I actually got 74 points, by the way. You haven't got a graph, have you? 
tracking your progress no i just know i've not been i've always been in the 30s all year like mid mid 30s and now 28th so uh, i'm on the combat trail back home got me 24 points do you reckon we're moving up because we're doing well or do you reckon we're moving up because we're overtaking all the people who've given up I think that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> We're just rocking it right to the end. Keep going. Any other business? I was going to do your quiz on televised matches, but I've run out of time. So sorry. There's no one. <laughs> um, one thing we should probably mention uh, do you want to give a, everyone a bit of a roundup of who we spoke to the other day and a quick competition, Dan? So, yes, yeah, so last week, uh, last Saturday morning, in fact, we spoke to uh, Eric Skeels, Stoke City's all-time uh, record appearance maker and obviously uh, part of the squad that went and won the 1972 League Cup. Um, it was part of the squad that season. So we spoke to him and did a podcast with him um, about his career, his time at Stoke, and I've done really good lesson. really looking forward to people um, you know, saying that landing in your in your podcast sort of apps and you're listening to that. It's going to be out during the international break. Um, but he's actually got a book coming out. Well, I say his book coming out. His book is already out. Um, and he's got a signed copy of it that he's going to hand over to us before kickoff on this game against Blackburn on Friday. So we are going to give that away. So... Who is, how do we get our hands on this? How do we potentially win it? I hear you all shouting. So what you need to do is you need to follow us on Twitter or in our Facebook group. So at least one of those two. And when you see the post that we're going to put on to Facebook and Twitter about this and this competition, you need to tag at least two people into it. And whoever you tag, they get entered into the draw as well. So let's... Get it out there, f- spread it far and wide. And, and yeah, like I say, the more names that it's had, the more people get into the draw. And and yeah, let's let's see uh, who, who ends up with the uh, this signed copy of this book. Yeah, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good fun. Um, and you know, if it is the case that you don't win it, then I know it's gonna be out in probably the club shop uh, soon and all the normal places as well. So I think yeah, either way, it's gonna be a, yeah, it's it's gonna be a great listen, isn't it? Uh, it's a great read, uh, rather. Uh, and not everything's audio uh, pods these days. I keep getting used to that. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it'll it'll be a really good read. And I know that I think I'm gonna start tagging in all my family, get them to tag their family, and uh, I'm gonna claim the book for myself. <laughs> Not really. Um, but yeah, I mean, the podcast itself that we're giving, there's some, there's some great stories in there in the mark. Yeah, like I've put a bit of a teaser on there, but when uh, when Eric uh, almost met the craze in, 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 the, in the club, so Jesus, could you imagine? Um, so yeah, loads and loads of stuff, stuff that he, he also couldn't tell us, but there's some really good stuff in there. It was good fun. It was indeed. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's everything for, for now. So we're going to wrap this one up and we shall, uh, yeah, we'll join you when we're three points better off after a resounding win against Blackburn. No doubt scoring three or more goals yet again. And uh, yeah, we'll see you again for the middles for a preview. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.